The Evolve Network is now live at evolvenetwork.tv. Subscribe for meal plans, recipes, cooking shows, and our very own The Magic Pill and The Magic Plant, as well as access to my favorite documentaries. The Evolve Network is also home to our full library of podcasts, with new release podcasts airing first and in full on the channel. You can also watch selected vodcasts in a video format. Meanwhile, enjoy this highlight of our podcast and head over to evolvenetwork.tv for the full Evolve podcast experience. The Evolve with Pete Evans podcast is a conversation about my favorite ingredients for a healthy human experience. We take an informed look at topics that include nutritional and emotional well-being as well as expanded consciousness. I love exploring the topics that are not traditionally taught at school and take a deep dive into them with my special guests. I invite you to sit back and come along for the ride with an open mind and heart and please share with your family and friends as these podcasts may just be the seed from which many things will flourish from. Cheers. We've been using Waters Co. water filters for the last 10 years and I wholeheartedly trust my family's health with them. Waters Co. established 1977 have personal and domestic water filters which turns your ordinary tap water into great tasting alkaline ionized mineral water which removes up to 99.9% of fluoride, heavy metals, chemicals and bacteria so you can love your tap water again. The Bio 1000 is the latest edition of the BMP 1000 model and the culmination of over 40 years of experience and research into water filtration by some of the world's leading scientists. Waters Co. was first to market with natural gravity-fed systems, creating alkaline water way back in 1984, and have continued to lead the market in research and development, setting the benchmark for all other brands to follow. Please go to my webpage, PeteEvans.com, to learn more and to receive your special discount from my link on the products page. You're going to love it. Nisha, thank you so much for joining us. How are you, sister? I'm well. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. I'm fascinated about the work mm-hmm. that you do. And a couple of words uh, really uh, jumped out at me when I, when I was uh, studying what you do. And that was um, trauma and fawn. <laughs> and uh, perhaps you'd like to take us on the journey of, um, of the word trauma and how it relates to the work that you do. And perhaps a definition that you've come to come to understand from maybe the first time you heard the word trauma to to after the work that you've been doing, what it means to you now and how we can use it. So um, just by way of a little introduction, I guess, my uh, sort of official work, I'm a somatics researcher. And for the past five or six years, I've been focusing on the somatic lived body experience of sexuality, pleasure, and also how our experience of subtle trauma responses can kind of seep into our experiences of intimacy. And this happens no matter what your gender is, right? So um, my overall goal with everything that I do is really to elevate our experiences of pleasure and to bring more, I think if I have like one goal for my work in my book right now, it's to bring compassion 
back into sex and pleasure, even for casual interactions to, um, with the view to really dismantle a lot of the toxic dating culture that we're seeing so much of these days. So with that sort of as a, as a little umbrella, um, fawn is a trauma response. It's one of our many trauma responses and even mammals, all, many mammals do it as well. It's classified under what would be seen as hypoarousal. So within our cascade of stress responses, we can go into hyperarousal, like fight flight, or hypoarousal, which would be like shutting down and fawning. So both modes, if you like, are activations that are triggered by overwhelming stress or um, an invasion of our boundaries, but they look completely different. So the trick with fawn is that it is a hierarchical stress response. So while it's you know ancient, it's like that it's been part of our mammalian evolution, the way we see it now in modern times is being triggered by some form of hierarchical stress in a relationship context. So whether that's like, you know, between a parent and child, between an intimate partner, between um, say a boss and employee. And so it really, the stress response was fascinating and also horrible. <laughs> the stress response is that as soon as it's triggered, um, all of the blood flow is moved out of our language centers. So we lose connection to the parts of our brain that initiate speech. And with that, we also have an inhibition of our awareness of ourselves, of our bodies, of our boundaries, of our environment, of our relationship to other people. So it's this really like brilliant in one sense, sort of adaptation and also like really troublesome stress response in terms of how it can make us feel like our bodies are abandoning us and um, are sabotaging us in terms of how we want to be able to behave or respond in a moment, whether it's at work, at the grocery store, or in bed with a lover. You used a word there before to define um, and to explain what you do, and it was somatic. For anybody that doesn't mm -hmm. understand what somatic means, can you, can you take us through that, please? Yes. So I'm really glad you asked that question. Um, because the word somatic has kind of become a bit of a catch-all for anything sort of remotely related to the lived body. And so, you know, anything can be somatic as long as it has something to do with being in your body. But the, you know, true and academic definition of the word somatic is to experience yourself as a lived body from an interior perspective. So it means that if I'm experiencing, say I'm, I'm doing a somatic experience of walking, I'm not just noticing my feet on the floor, I'm noticing my emotions, I'm noticing the feeling of the breeze on my skin, I'm noticing how this memory of, you know, the way my hips are moving is starting to remind me of something that happened when I was six. It's this really holistic, non-dualistic experience of ourselves as human beings. So when I talk about being a somatic researcher or someone who focuses on, you know, somatic pleasure, it's really the um, working from an understanding that I am inextricably physiological, psycho-emotional, spiritual, sexual, and intellectual, and I cannot remove 
any one of those parts from myself. You cannot extract consciousness from the cell. It's, it's our nature that we are these sort of indivisible, inseparable parts of a whole. I love that. It's like um, I'm sitting here mm-hmm. <laughs> about to undergo a uh, shamanic journey. <laughs> you know, the, the, the language that you're using <laughs> is, is it's really about awareness and embodiment and, mm-hmm. and, and acceptance and that expression. Oh, 100%. <laughs> I'm like, yes. I mean, that's kind of why I really love and have gravitated so much to this work because it is it is the living embodiment of self-compassion, right? When I'm in this moment, just experiencing myself as I am, accepting the fact that my heart is beating the way it is and that my lungs are moving and that, you know, there are things outside that are gravitating my, you know, bringing my gaze out there. It's a practice of both non-attachment and also non-judgment of self. And so when we bring this spirit into our relationships, it's really easy to see how we can start to, um, bring a more co-regulation just on a, you know, physical nervous system, um, basis, but also to find ways of being with each other that are, oh, so human in the most optimal ways in which we are able to be human, if that makes sense. It does. And, you know, this is something that we do not see on mainstream television or, (laughs) or, in in modern day life, you know, and one of the things that um, I gravitate towards always is how much ancient wisdom we have in, uh, in us and what we can study from traditional cultures. And because they were not fe- being fed a na- narrative of fear as, you know, I mean, it's just what's popping into my head at the moment or brainwashing. It was about experience. So... Take us through the journey for you, how you came to get into this work yourself. I mean, were were you searching for answers and what were the pieces that you had to put together in this jigsaw puzzle to, to make it fit or maybe not fit? Um, yeah, so somatics, um, I come from, I had a very turbulent, abusive family upbringing um I found somatics about I want to say like 25 years after I started practicing it so when I was a small child three four or five years old I spent a lot of time alone and my favorite game to play with myself was what can my body do And I would like jump and play and, you know, throw bags of milk and play with balance and gravity and explore what it was like to crawl and balancing on my shoulders like this. I could do this for hours. And I did. And this is essentially the essence of living somatically is really understanding what it is to live as a a flesh body in gravity on the planet. And so I want to bring it back there because that's really sort of the truth of who I am. And it's been the thread that I suppose wove me into somatics. I found it, I think, because I'd already been so, uh, maybe it was the validation, you know, that there was this whole system and this whole collection of academics and people who had been doing this for decades and, you know, well, a hundred years really. 
Um, and for and you, so it was when I found it, a remembrance mm -hmm. for you. Yeah, it was. I remember when I walked into my first workshop, I was like, oh my gosh, like I've been doing this. This is like, this is my family, my home. Like, thank you. Right. To just find this place where <laughs> you didn't have to fight, you know, against, I know a lot of people talk about finding tribe or community or whatever, but this was so much deeper because it was this sense of real somatic comfort and acceptance, you know, like that you in your somatic authenticity, as your, you know, beating heart and your pumping blood, that you are okay and you're accepted as you are. It was, it was really profound. Um, so it was a really significant part of my healing journey personally to recover from, excuse me, <clears throat> from that, those early childhood um, beginnings. But where I've sort of applied a lot of that work in the last five or six years was following an abusive relationship, marriage, um, and the work that I did to recover from that was really closely tied to how I started to understand the way fawn affects us in the bedroom and then really starts to kind of infest every aspect of, of our lives, how we show up at work, how we cut ourselves off from connection with other people and limit the things we think we're deserving of. That mm. answer your question? Yeah. It does. I, I like what you were talking there about finding the tribe and, and the other sort mm. of cool things that we're searching for. Whereas from what yeah. I'm gathering from you is you don't actually need to find the tribe. You just need to remember who you are. Yeah. And the yeah, tribe and 100%. the tribe will, that's a and the tribe or the connections will flow from that, you know, with with other people yes. that have either found themselves or are on that journey as well. And potentially the mm -hmm. ones that can still be uh triggers for us to teach us. Hundred percent. I love that reflection. Thank you. Yeah, I think it comes down to resonance, right? Like that you can I mean, I'm at the point now where I can kind of sense the way I can watch someone in the way they move. And there's so much that I can interpret about who they are, how they occupy space, what, what they're bringing forward of themselves. And part of that is intuition, I think too, but it's also that ability to pick up those really subtle, subtle details and, and the stories our bodies are telling about who we are and what we have to contribute to the world. Mm. So fascinating. Yesterday I had a, a dear friend contact me and and they were saying that they had um, some pretty amazing pain in their throat. <laughs> even when I just said throat, mm. I, I, I got raspy just even remembering. I just put it up. <laughs> <laughs> so fascinating. Oh. And, yeah. and I wrote back to them because they said, I've never felt like this. I've never felt such pain in my throat. I said, well, throat is usually the... Um, the place for communication. I really hope you enjoyed the first half of this podcast. If you'd like to listen to the rest, please visit evolvenetwork.tv. That's evolvenetwork.tv. I'll see you there. The information, views and opinions expressed in this podcast should not be treated as a substitute for nutritional, medical or other advice by a qualified professional. Guests in this podcast express their own opinions, experiences and conclusions. Nothing in this podcast should be used to diagnose, 
treat, cure or prevent any medical condition. Neither Pete Evans nor any sponsor endorse any views, opinions or conclusions expressed or shared in this podcast.